Hey, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode in our month-long coverage of Disneyland. And this week, we're focusing on the attractions at Disneyland. And in this particular episode, we are going to talk about 10 attractions Disneyland has that Walt Disney World does not. But before we get to that, we want to remind everyone that we are giving away two five-day, four-night trips to Disneyland, along with many other things this month. And if you want details on how you can have a chance to win, all you need to do is go to wdwinfo.com slash Disneyland, click on the link for our contest, and you're going to find all the information there. Also this month, we are releasing a ton of video each week around our themes. Uh, last week, we talked about the 60th anniversary. Um, no, I'm sorry. Last week, we talked about dining. Um, the week before that, we talked about the 60th anniversary. This week, we're talking about attractions, so we're releasing all this great video each week around those topics, so if you want to check out all of what we have to offer for this month, just head over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash disunplugged, and you can find everything there. But joining me today at the table are my good friends and producer, Craig Williams. Hello. The host of the Disneyland edition of the Dis Unplugged, Mr. Tom Bell. Hey, folks. The host of Connecting with Walt and one of our Disneyland team members, Mr. Michael Bowling. Hey there, hi there, how there. As well as our resident historian. Should probably throw that in there, too. <laughs> um, the president of the Diz and our uh, webmaster and designer and everything else that needs to be done <laughs> that can't be done on video, Corey Martin. Oh, I'm still happy to be here. And back in the production, look, our associate producers, Oliver Green and Rhino Clavin. Hello. Hello. So... Um, attractions at Disneyland, especially this one. This was an this was an easy list to come up with um, because actually it was easy in the sense that there's a lot of attractions mm-hmm. that Disneyland but then, has. But then we had to narrow them down. We had to narrow them down yeah. because that was the hard part. Was mm-hmm. that there's a lot of things out in Disneyland that we don't have here in Walt Disney World. And again, I want to just be clear. That we're not making this compar- these comparisons to disparage Disney World. I love Disney World. This is my home park. This is where I am all the time. I have great emotional connections to Disney World. Um, I think for me in particular, or for the team, uh, the fact that going to Disneyland for us is a special event. Um, you know, it's a it's a trip we have to plan. It's a vacation type experience for us that we don't really get here. So I think that does kind of make it even more special for us. Uh, so when we do these comparisons, it's not saying Disney World is bad and Disneyland is better. Um, it's just that they, these things are so incredibly different, wonderful in their own rights. But there are a lot of things about Disneyland that we love. Some of them we wish we did have here. Um, but that's where we're going to start. This list is in no particular order because it's not possible for us to rate these um, if I can jump on what you said, Pete, I think one of the things that I hear is that people who are Disney Worlders don't want to come to Disneyland because they have Disney World. I think what we're going to bring up is it's a different park. If you've never been to Disneyland, you're going to experience a different Disney park. And how often in your life do you get to do that? Good point. So I think that's the point of what we're going to be talking about here, not that one park is better than the other. Although if you talk to Disneylanders, we have a very strong opinion on that. Um, but we offer different experiences. And also, as, as, as sort of 
charming and, and intimate as Disneyland is, we have more attractions at Disneyland than the Magic Kingdom. Mm, and good point. So, it, it, so what we're showing is there's a lot of reason to come out here because we have a lot of different unique experiences, just as Magic Kingdom and Disney World has unique experiences for us Disneylanders. And as we've been pointing out throughout these, these episodes this month, um, those experiences aren't limited to just the attractions. Um, there are differences in the dining experiences. There are differences in the overall atmosphere and feel of the park, the interaction you have with cast members. Sadly, I have to say, is a much better experience for me out in Disneyland than it is out here in Disney World. Um, so it, it's on several, those differences exist on several levels. It's not just that they have a different version of pirates than we do, or they have this attraction and we don't. That's certainly part of it. But it's all these other experiences that taken together create this environment and experience and vacation that is just so completely different than what you have, what you have here. But right now, we're going to focus on attractions and 10 things, 10 attractions that Disneyland has that Walt Disney World does not. And one of the ones that uh, are on our list, Radiator Springs Racers. This is over in uh, Disney California Adventure in the Cars Land area. And Cars Land itself is something Disneyland has that we don't. Uh, and Radiator Springs Racers, uh, somewhat based on the ride, uh, the, the ride system that they uh, perfected with Test Track, but taken to a whole nother, a whole nother level with the whole experience of, of riding through, driving through Radiator Springs. I actually like the entire um, the area over there with the uh, Ornament Valley. Yeah, the just just riding through that in, in the attraction. You know, like you said, similar ride um, mechanism as Test Track, but in Test Track, you don't get that that visual that you get over there. Yeah, it's all, it's also beautiful. the The thing about Radiator Springs Racers is that it makes the Cars movies it, it like propels them so you think that those movies are actually better than they are just because the experience is so wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Got to get that ticket somewhere. Yeah, huh? at the end of the day, they're still Cars movies, but I mean, if this is how they were done right in the real world and you get to experience it that way. So whatever your perceptions are on cars, you just, we've said it before. We'll say it again. You have to experience radiator Springs racers. It's just, it is so great. And cars land in general is, is what you get when John Lasseter is allowed to like, just build something he wants to build. Um, mm-hmm. Cause John Lasseter was heavily involved in the creation of, of cars land. And uh, you know, it, Cars Land, I think arguably Cars Land is the, uh, is the best theme land Disney's ever created, yeah. at least of the parks that I've seen, Paris, Orlando, and, and California. I, I don't know if anybody disagrees with that or thinks I'm overselling it, but uh, for me, I think, and Radiator Springs is, that's the signature attraction. Mm-hmm. I know, it's a... In order to say how immersive this is, I've a number of times heard children when they go in to Radiator Springs the first time or in Cars Land the first time, they say this is where the movie was made. Mm. And and that's how realistic it is. I mean, down to the little touches of the uh, the way the, the streetlight flashes 
and and I'm not going to give it away. Watch the film, and and you'll see. <laughs> but and and if you the first time though that you enter Cars Land, don't go through the main entrance. Go down. Go through Pacific Wharf, and come in through Ornament Valley. Uh, it is spectacular um, the view from that. You are completely immersed in Ornament Valley and the in the Cadillac Ridge, and um, it's like nothing you've seen in a Disney park. And then then come through the regular way. But um, yeah, it's spectacular. The audio animatronics are state of the art. Oh, they're incredible. Um, there's enough effects that you can go through there a number of times and have a different experience. I um, mean, and, and we were calling it Test Track 2.0 because you actually do have a race. I mean, you're there for the big race and you race a car next to you, and it's and it is different every time. It's not one side always wins, but um, our it, side never won. <laughs> But anyway, so yeah, but I agree. This is a, a not to be missed attraction, and and the other two little attractions in there are I like them both. You know, one is new; it replaced um, oh, the Flying Saucers 2.0, and that's gone. But um, the, the the both of the smaller attractions are very enjoyable. Now, next on our list of things Disneyland has that Disney World doesn't. Is uh, and this one, this one kind of can cut both ways because we do have Space Mountain, obviously, in Magic Kingdom, but the one in Disneyland has been redone and is now called Hyperspace Mountain. It's been themed around Star Wars, as is really pretty much all of Tomorrowland now. Is uh-huh. pretty much all Star Wars out in out in Disneyland. And I personally did not ride this, so I want to hear from the people who have and explain to me what it is. I mean, I I loved it. It's it's they added they if anybody's ever been out there for the holidays, they do the um, haunted um, ghost, ghost galaxy. galaxy. Yeah, so they do like an overlay inside of the and in, inside of Space Mountain. So here they they've done it with Star Wars, and so as you go through the queue, you're getting message from like Admiral Akbar that he needs everyone to kind of report to their battle stations, and um, the ride vehicle out there is a little different than the one in Orlando in Anaheim. It's um, side by side. And they have speakers right behind your head. So just imagine, like, you're doing Space Mountain, but they're blaring that John Williams, like, score behind you. And there's just TIE fighters coming at you everywhere. There's Star Destroyers up there. It's just, it's crazy. And you don't have to be a Star Wars fan to uh, to enjoy this. I I enjoy all attractions and roller coasters that are set to music. That's why I love Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, California Screaming. That's why I love this. Also, the ride vehicle. It's so much smoother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, is you, it really? It, it yeah. is. Yeah. Even with back problems, you pretty much get off of this without any issue. Yeah. They completely rebuilt it a few years ago. There, there were some cracks in the structure, so they like closed it without any notice. And it was they were rebuilding Disneyland Paris's version, and so they quickly sent what was going to be Disneyland Paris's over to us at Disneyland, oh. and they built ours, but we don't have the loops and all that. Right. And then they, um, and then Disneyland Paris's was redone. And then, I think it was Paris. And so then, um, so anyway, so yeah, but it, they've also improved the projectors. So even if you've been on Ghostly Galaxy, uh, the, the images are much better than they were for Ghostly Galaxy. Yeah, even though Star Wars there is going to be in its own separate land and not in Tomorrowland, this is one thing that I would never be upset with if they ever went like if they never changed it over and they just left 
uh, hyperspace mountain there. It fits in so perfectly. They they could not have done a better job with it. Do you think they've gone too far at Tomorrowland uh, in Disneyland Park with the Star Wars overlays and the Star Wars additions? Because it really feels like, you know... Which is curious because Star Wars Land is the total other side of the yeah. park, so I'm not sure what they'll do when Star Wars Land, Star Wars area actually opens. So it's going to be interesting to it, see. They have struggled so much with the Disneyland Tomorrowland. Uh, you know, they, they had the big, we had the big refurb of it years ago that right. was done. The budget was like only $100 million, and it showed, and it was a complete failure. Um, Tony Baxter did everything he could, but just the money wasn't there. And so... Yeah, it's a troubled land, and there, there's different ideas. There's different designs. We keep it's hearing Disney ideas Somalia. floated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the land I like the least, and I'll frequently not even go into it, mm. and because um, I don't like the crowds that are in there because of where they placed the Astro Orbit. Oh yeah, it's very, getting, it's very congested yeah, in there. And, yeah. and that was Michael Eisner's idea, and so you know, there's talk of, of completely you know, removing the submarines, which John Lasseter's finally apparently acquiesced to, and Atopia, although now as the new sponsor, so I don't know what would happen there, and and completely just re-theming the whole land. And there's, I've heard rumors of different ideas being floated around. But yeah, we're all confused now. What are they going to do that half of it is, is Star Tours or Star Wars? And I, I think there. it's fine that way. With the I, right now, with the exception of Galactic Grill and Hyperspace Mountain, there's no real reason to go into Tomorrowland unless you want to get out on the monorail. Yeah, Star so, Tours, yeah, over there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So that's Hyperspace Mountain, number two. Uh, moving on to number three, um, we have Toontown as. Uh, something that Disneyland has that Walt Disney World doesn't. Tom, why don't you talk to us a little bit about Toontown? Yeah, Toontown is uh, at the back of the park. It's where Mickey lives. Uh, Mickey's house is there. Minnie's house is there. Uh, you also find Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, which is kind of cool. Uh, a little uh, coaster, like a first coaster for kids called Gadget's Go Coaster. Uh, From Rescue Rangers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who uh, loves Rescue Rangers. Goofy's house is there. You can go visit Goofy's house, play in his backyard. You can go climb in, climb through Donald's boat. I think Chippendale's tree. Right? Um, can you go up yeah, there? There's a tree. Yeah, I think yeah. you can still climb yeah. climb the Chippendale tree tree house. But it's really cool. It's where the where the tunes live. Yeah, I know for me, having two kids, I, I really wish we still had Toontown here. Um, you know, I think when Mickey and Minnie's house was there, they were too young to really you know, to understand it. But I think now I can kind of, you know, bring them in there and they can really truly make believe. And and this is so different from the version that was here oh, because yeah. uh, th- this is based on the architecture from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So it is so unique and cool because there's no straight lines in this whole land. Also, there's a lot of interactive 
mm-hmm. things uh, around the area of the Roger Rabbit attraction and the, the shops and all that, where you know the children can lift boxes and there's noises and push buttons and turn doorknobs and there's all kinds of different special effects and explosions and sounds. So it's just a great little area for children to explore. A couple little photo opportunities in there, and uh, so it, it's a fun mm-hmm. little land if children need to sort of run around, explore a little, things like that. Next on our list is, you know, I, I feel like, I feel a little, a little foolish. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite attractions, in it's a storybook land. These are uh, these little canal boats that go around, and they're just these different miniature uh, lands from inspired from different Disney films, and I don't know. I some you know you 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 go through you you start out by going through uh, a monstro the whale, mm-hmm. um, in like through his mouth, and then out the other end of him, <laughs> um, and uh, you know it's just this it's just this really really cool. I don't know. There's something about it that I just get so excited when when we do it the uh going through the photos it, you you notice it when you're on the ride the boat ride but you know going through the photos i see how intricate and detailed these, uh, these buildings detailed. and castles are and, and that was walt i mean walt loved miniatures he built miniatures that was his hobby and the detail he insisted be in this attraction he for instance when they were looking at ways to cut costs. Uh, I mean, Walt insisted in the glass that it was real leaded glass in the church in the Alice in Wonderland scene. It's real stained glass. So it was suggested, you know, we could cut some costs by using something cheaper, using plexiglass, and no one would notice. And Walt said, I would notice. I would know. And so the detail that's in there is is all because of Walt. For an so, attraction that was intended to be temporary. Right. Walt, as Walt told Harriet Burns, you know, this will be good until, uh, until we come up with something better. And, and, uh, and I'm always worried the Imagineers are going to remember that line and drop something else in there because again it's just such a lovely uh, it's one of those things where you can just stop and take your breath and mm. and, and enjoy going through there but again this is this connects you with walt it's iconic attraction land mm-hmm. like one of the i can remember watching uh you know any videos uh looking at pictures of disneyland and always seeing that monstro whale and being able to go through it. So whenever I first got to do it, it was like, okay, I'm finally getting to do something that is iconic at Disneyland that you just, you don't see it at Disney World. You can't get that experience out here. Not because the attraction's just not out of here, but I mean, with the weather in Anaheim, being able to have all these attractions in Fantasyland area that are all more outdoors themed and not covered up because of the thunderstorms, it's just... It's yeah. perfect. And you can experience this in two different ways, not, not just through the canal boats, but you can experience it through a, a Dumbo-themed attraction, Casey Jr. Circus Train. So you can you can experience it from above as well as through the canals. That's a good point. Never even thought about that, but you're right. Um, another iconic Disney attraction that is no longer here in Walt Disney World, but still remains out in Disneyland is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. And uh, what, 
what do you say about Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? It's 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 one of those classic dark rides that Disney is you know is famous for, and I know a lot of people were very upset when they got rid of it here in order to put in Winnie the Pooh. That's what replaced it here, and uh, I don't I don't know what people would do out in Disneyland if they ever tried to do something like that with this ride. <laughs> People love this attraction. And there and when you think about it, there is no other dark ride that deviates so much from the film as this attraction does. Uh, I mean, where and where else do you end up in hell? <laughs> yeah, Disney, you literally end up attraction. going to hell in this attraction. Yeah. Um, and and so even if you've experienced the Disney World version of this, ours was completely different. When I interviewed Rolly Crump for the Disneyland show, he talked about the design of of um, the the Disney World version, and he purposefully made it completely different from ours. So so you can have a, a, a still a unique experience. <laughs> Anybody else on Mr. Toad's Wild Ride? It's a good time. No, it's a lot of fun. And I just, again, one of the things I love about Disneyland is how they try to incorporate all these uh, characters and movies that are underrepresented at Disney World. And this is the perfect example since ours closed down. Uh, You know, Wind in the Willows is basically completely forgotten upon most people, but we still get to... We still get to have it at Disneyland, and and the exterior special. is beautiful. It is um, Toad Manor, Toad, Toad Hall, Manor, Toad Hall. I mean, it's beautiful stone-like mm-hmm. building. It is. I, I love. It's one of the ones that I always try and make sure I get to when I'm out there. Uh, another one, another dark ride in Fantasyland that we don't have in Orlando. Pinocchio's daring journey. And who wants to talk about Pinocchio? I like Pinocchio. It's. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you <laughs> off. Threw me off there. Um, it's it's like it's just like uh, it reminds me, which they also have Snow White, um, the the evil the is, what is it called the Snow White's dark adventure. Yeah, and I I'm I'm a fan of these type of dark rides. I like the dark rides that are kind of simple. Sometimes they just tell a story. They've got some fun, nice effects in them. And um, Pinocchio is definitely it reminds me of snow white so it, it, i feel this when you ride it like a kid you know it reminds me of those because when i was a kid i wouldn't go on any scary things and this would this would have would have been okay for me well you know the uh you bring up a good point that you know these attractions like pinocchio mr toad's wild ride these are not technologically advanced attractions they may have been in the you know when they were first opened back in the day but in comparison to what we have now uh, obviously, you know, they're very basic, but it really says something about how good they are and how, how well they've stood the test of time, that they're still so enjoyable and they still enjoy such a following and a popularity all these years later in com- when, when they have to sit next to attractions that are much, much more advanced. There's something about the simplicity, the originality, the classic nature of it that it just fits in so well with Disneyland. I mean, it's authentically where it all came from. And it's interesting you say that because it is every Imagineers, the new generations of Imagineers, it's one of their dream jobs to create a dark ride like the original Imagineers did. Uh, it's their dream to create another Peter Pan or Snow White or Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. So when Tony Baxter, who was the lead Imagineer when our 
when our fantasy land was reimagined in 1984, he that was he wanted to create a dark ride, and he created Pinocchio, mm-hmm. and that was his one of his dreams, and so uh, so this, this, our Pinocchio, even though it didn't open with the park, it, it is a homage to those original dark rides, and it's one of my favorites because Pinocchio is my favorite of the original animated films, and it's celebrating its 75th anniversary this year, which you think is amazing when you think about it. So, um, yeah, so I think our whole fantasy land is, it's tiny, but when you think of what's in it, it's um, really amazing. Well, another dark ride that's on the list is Alice in Wonderland. And I got a chance to do that for the first time on on this trip. And again, it's one of those, you know, it's done in that classic dark right. ride style. And they, but they just redid it as well. They added some new projections, uh, some new, did they, do anim, did they add animatronics yet with the no, projectors? They were talking, but okay. they didn't do it. But some new projections, some, uh, some videos on the walls, really cool effects. Yeah. They, they ended up really t- continuing the story. Mm-hmm. It never totally told the story of Alice in Wonderland. And now it does. You can really follow through her journey through the rabbit hole. And um, and they even gave dimension in the golden afternoon scene. If you look in the background, you see the, the little rocking horse f- flies, butterflies flying around and things like that. And then the fun thing is, I'll let people know, of course, the, one of the unique things about this is it's two levels. And part of it is you go outside right. the attraction and then back down. And they um, so it's always fun to figure out. It's, it goes above Mr. Toad. And we talked about the hell scene, Hades scene, they prefer to call it. And um, one of the scenes in Alice is above the Hades scene. And so the heat's the heat accumulates in that Alice room. So ride through it and see if you can figure out which which scene is a little warmer than all the others, and you know you're above Hades. But one funny thing is when they did the refurb many years ago, they changed the um, final scene as you go down, and when you return inside the... Um, the attraction a lot uh, they noticed males would not go on alice in wonderland um, even on dates guys wouldn't go in with the girlfriend because they thought it was a girl attraction so what they did was that's when they had they added the scene the very merry unbirthday scene and there's an explosion in there as as the the candle the candle explodes and they thought and you can hear it outside and they thought if guys can hear there's an explosion it'll attract them to go into the ride hmm. wow <laughs> crazy that's wild mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah i, I thought it was cute uh, you know i'm not gonna say it's one of my favorite attractions but i you know i i enjoyed it we ended up going on it like three times i think because we were filming <laughs> it's my favorite dark ride yeah is I, it really yeah i just it's completely unique and different from anything else and uh on top of that it's just again alice is underrepresented besides the tea party out here so it's nice having having that uh that little bit of a difference and the outdoor section of it is so brilliant especially if you time it right during like paint the night going on being able to watch the parade go by as you're riding outside it's just it's it's very cool and there is a homage to an attraction here in walt disney world in your magic kingdom because originally you know the dark rides did not have 
the the you know Snow White didn't have Snow White in it, and and you know uh, Alice in Wonderland didn't have Alice in it because it was Walt Disney's intention that we experience it and we are the main character. Guests complained that these characters weren't in there, so they when they added in Alice in Wonderland, they actually took one of the figures from the Mickey Mouse Review in the Magic Kingdom that was being closed down and sent to Tokyo, and they and it's in. One of those figures is our Alice in in the, our attraction at Disneyland. All right. Well, next on our list, our top ten things Disneyland has that Disney World does not is the Matterhorn, and this was recently redone. I believe last year wasn't mm-hmm. it? They yeah they redid some of the effects and added the, a new a new Herald right a new Yeti several yeah yeah. Michael, why don't you talk a little bit about the history of the Matterhorn, and then we'll talk some about some of those ride elements. And this this is based on a film. Um, Walt Disney, basically what used to be there was a mound of dirt that was left over from all of the building of the park. And they, they gave it different names, Holiday Hill and all that, and they themed it, and people would walk along it. And, and Walt would just sort of sit there and have this imagine what was there and then when the skyway was built right in the middle of holiday hill was one of the towers for the skyway and so one day um uh, i think it might have been harriet burns she was walking along and walt was sitting on a bench looking at the hill and and he was just gazing off and and uh, harriet said what are you looking at walt and he said i'm i'm looking at my mountain so Walt was already thinking of something there. So Walt, Walt, they were filming Third Man in the Mountain, an excellent live-action film. And it's set, and, and um, it, it takes place on the Matterhorn. And Walt fell in love with the Matterhorn. So the story goes, Walt sends a postcard back to Imagineering, or WED, and, uh, of the Matterhorn with two words, build this. <laughs> and, so, um, and so they... You know, Walt, again, was disappointed with Tomorrowland. And so this was basically what he called Disneyland's second, um, second grand opening. And as, as part of the refurbishment and the first big expansion in 1959 of Disneyland, that was when we got the submarines and um, the monorail and uh, the Matterhorn. So this was the first um, st- uh, steel-tubed roller coaster ever built. Bob Gurr tells wonderful stories about this. He had to design it. Again, those of you who think, oh, I'm not good at something, really listen to Bob Gurr's story on this. Bob Gurr failed math in school. Bob Gurr had to design this, learning, he had to teach himself physics, he had to teach himself uh, all kinds of things about math and um, trigonometry and all that to design this attraction um, using slide rules and all of that because he, to make sure that the coaster would work properly. And, and the thing is, is that he had to fit it in the dimensions he had been given for how large the Matterhorn was going to be. And then they decided they wanted two tracks in it. So he had to go back and, again, redesign this whole thing on paper. There were no computers in those days um, to get fit two tracks of the Matterhorn in there. This is also the first attraction where they could run cars simultaneously. 
Um, that was never done before on a roller coaster. And so um, Walt loved this coaster. He was, um, no one else would ride it um, doing the tests. And Walt, was, Walt did. He went in, went down it. And um, at first, uh, they could only stop it with hay bales. Um, to slow it down. Oh, enough. my Lord. And so we rode it, and it ran into a hay bale. And then Walt saw a ride somewhere where they used water to slow down the attraction. So he told the Imagineers about that. And so that's why we have that water, uh, with the water at the end to slow down the coaster. Because the coaster works on gravity. It was also the first one to have brakes um, so that they could break it if they needed to throughout the park. So this was really... Uh, this was tech, new technology in every sense of the word. Um, in the, it didn't. They ran out of money, so it did not have um, the theming inside as it does now, and that that came along later. It also hid the ugly tower that Walt um, didn't like for the Skyway. So on top of that, Bob Gurr had to figure out how to incorporate the Skyway going through the mountain with the roller coaster and all that, all on paper, teaching himself hmm. physics and, and, and trigonometry. And of course, there's the... Uh, uh you, you hear about it all the time. There's a basketball court? Not really. I mean, I've seen it from my, my, my days uh, at Disney. What it is, um, there are, um, they've, they've had mountain climbers that will scale the Matterhorn, and, and they bring them back from time to time. And there's a little break room about, oh, two-thirds of the way up the mountain, and they store stuff up there. But that was also the break room for the, uh, the mountain climbers. And so... The, uh, Walt asked one day, because uh, you know, he would walk around the park all the time, talk to cast members, talk to guests. He was talking to them and says, what, what can I do? Is there anything I can do to make things more comfortable, more easier? And someone jokingly said, put up a basketball hoop up there. And um, they did. Uh, Walt had a basketball hoop put up there. So it's just a, a hoop on, sort of like on a wall. If I remember correctly, but it's there's inside like a, the mountain. It's inside the mountain. It's like a little half court thing. And, and they didn't do it. There's this whole urban legend that they did it so that it could be zoned as a, as a um, like a gymnasium or that's something. That's what I'd heard. Yeah, no, none of that's true. And so um, he just did it for the convenience of the cast members to kill some time in between scaling the mountain and stuff. And I think if I remember correctly, there's like a, a black curtain hiding behind it because at the time it sort of was like open to the mountain, the interior of the mountain. They didn't want the ball, if they missed, going like down. So oh. I think there was a big black curtain hanging there so that it would catch the ball and then it blocked the um the break room also from being visible. Right. So. so what are the impressions? I've I've ridden this uh, a couple times. It's kind of uncomfortable even yes. with the new cars. I would recommend do this before you do Hyperspace Mountain because if you do them in reverse, you're going to be very disappointed <laughs> at how rough it is. Yeah. It's called the Matterhurt yeah, it's really one of those attractions that you have to do it once in your life just so you can say you've done the Matterhorn because it is such a staple of Disneyland, but it is so painful. They, they put in more padding and uh, on the seat, and that made it better for me. But like Tom, you were saying, it, it, the side-to-side yeah, side side jerkiness. Side is, yeah. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, that's the stuff that gets Yeah, it. my butt was never not... You know, it wasn't uncomfortable in there, so the extra padding didn't do anything. My my lower back, though, it's it agonizes every time I get on that ride. Th this is my favorite 
um, thrill ride at Disneyland. I, I try to go on this every time. And you have to ride it at night. So mm-hmm. it's a completely different experience at night because the whole interior of the mountain is black. You're never too sure if you're going to live. You know, if you're like <laughs> flying off the track, um, but yeah, do it, do it daylight and do it at nighttime. Completely different experience. All right, next on our list, Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones Adventure, which uh, is a very uh, is pretty much the same ride vehicle as we have at Dinosaur in Animal Kingdom, and actually, a dinosaur is based on Indiana Jones. I believe they created that ride that ride mechanism for this attraction. Yeah, it's Indiana Jones was the original on that. In in fact, Dinosaur (laughs) is literally the exact same track, Track, Mm -hmm. everything. But because of the vehicles, they're basically motion simulators on a on a moving uh, mechanism. So that way, they with Dinosaur, they were able to use the exact same track, but just change the motions to be more based on that ride. But uh, you know, Indiana Jones is one of the best film it's series a, yeah film franchises ever um it's an incredible and, ride too yeah and with the ride they were able to make such an immersive attraction and really throw you into the story and uh, there's there's just several scenes in it that absolutely take your breath away uh mixing the john williams score in there too uh with some of the feels from like raiders of the lost ark and other movies it's i it is my absolute favorite attraction to do at Disneyland. If I didn't get to do it every time I'm out there, I I would be really disappointed. I'd probably throw a hissy fit. <laughs> so, it'd be very bratty. And, and what's nice is they keep upgrading this attraction. They upgraded the Indiana Jones animatronic figures a few years ago. They just upgraded the whole Room of Enchantment. When you enter it with all new effects, um, they brought back some effects that hadn't been working in a while. But this is Imagineering at its best. I mm, mean, again, the, the, Tony Baxter, I just read a biography on him, and he feels this was his crowning achievement in his whole career. Wow. Was this attraction. And, I mean, and he designed and built Disneyland Paris. But he feels this attraction. Really? He thinks that over Disneyland? Because, I mean, yeah. Disneyland Paris. <clears throat> That is one gorgeous park. Uh-huh. I mean, it is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful, that park. So I'm surprised. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think Indiana Jones is great, but I don't know. If I was the guy who designed and built Disneyland Paris, I'd be saying, yep, that's the crown jewel. Yeah, no, he, he loves Indiana Jones. I mean, everything he went through, to, again, to design the cars. And um, he wanted it to feel dangerous. And... Um, and, and you know, and he, and but you know, again, he had limits because of the track and all that, and so the way he came up with that motion of the of the ride vehicle and all that, and just the effects and the, and everything. I mean, the queue is amazing. That's a queue that is reminds me more of like your Pirates of the Caribbean queue here because it's that detail and all that. That um, our queues tend to be, as, as Craig mentioned, they're outdoor queues, so we don't have the details. So, um, yeah, this is a not-to-be-missed attraction. There, uh, there's even props from the first film, you know, on the outside uh, as you walk it's through. An, it it so. is an absolutely... Uh, it's one of my favorites. Um, I have to watch when I can go on it because it does jostle you around a bit, and with my back, i got to be careful. So... I always kind of gauge, like, how does my back feel today? You know, am I going to be all right? But it is an awesome, awesome attraction. Finally on the list is uh, the Sleeping Beauty walkthrough uh, in Sleeping Beauty Castle. Something we don't have here. The ability to walk through the castle and tells the whole story 
of Sleeping Beauty. And who wants to talk a little bit about that? Good. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, funny thing is that that was an afterthought. When the, the ca- castle was built, it, there was nothing in it. And that bothered Walt. And so he said there needs to be something in this castle. And when they first went through it, I, I tell the funny story on the 60 Years of Disneyland series I did. When they walked through, they found out the castle was not empty after all it it had a bunch of feral cats had taken up residence in the castle and so and and who were flea ridden and um so yeah the imagineers had to work with the structure to figure out how to put in all these winding staircases and um and and rooms and all of that and that's why you really feel you're you're wandering through the castle because they had to work with a structure that wasn't built to have chambers and everything. I mm. think they did a marvelous job. And then and yeah, what's, especially when you consider that it was an afterthought. Yeah, and it's so cool. It's yeah. a really really unique experience. And and the original murals and all that were done by Ivan Earl, who was the artist for Sleeping Beauty, with those iconic you know square trees and that sort of Renaissance feel that right. he gave to that film. And then and then it, it shut down after a while. A low attendance and it was um, also shut down for nine. 11. Yeah, and 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 yeah, that, that was one of the yeah. reasons given. And it was also just it was that era, also the Paul Pressler era, as we call it, where um, they were shutting down the a lot. Dark of, days. The dark days, the dark days. Yes, uh, for cost cutting, they they were shutting down attractions. And then when it was brought back again, everything was completely redone. All the scenes were redone um, with special effects. And uh, it really brought it back to its old glory and all that. So um, it's just, it's lovely. It's just, again, one of those little things about Disneyland is we have all these little out-of-the-way places where you can just walk through, they're quiet, you can linger, and um, get out of sort of the hecticness um, uh, in the rest of the park. And this is one of those areas. Just one of many, many things that makes Disneyland so unique. Uh, and highlight some of the differences between Walt Disney World and Disneyland. So with that, that will do it for this episode of our show. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back with you again next time with another edition of the Dis Unplugged. Thanks for being with us, everyone, and remember, go to Disneyland, because I said so.